This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Step into your more authentic self and be the one who is more powerful than you can imagine. Valeria Tellez interviews Craig Richardson, an intuitive life coach offering services in hypnotherapy, dream work and analysis, and relationship strategies. Craig Richardson has been on a 20-year spiritual journey that began in 2000 with his conversion to Catholicism. After 15 years in the Catholic Church, during which he received a master's in Catholic theology, he began looking elsewhere for answers that did not satisfy him in formal Christianity. He studied the Bhagavad Gita and received certifications in tarot reading, alchemy, and hypnotherapy. He also pursued Rosicrucianism and found CSE by attending the Thursday Psychic Development Circle in early 2019. In April 2019, he began pursuing a master's in transpersonal psychology at Atlantic University while continuing to work on mediumship through CSE. Richardson's also attended a week-long program in psychic development at Arthur Findlay College and has participated in similar conferences at ARE in Virginia Beach. He is also a member of the CSE. Meet Craig at craigrichardson.com. Here is the interview with Craig Richardson. In your own words, who is Craig Richardson? Well, that's uh, quite a question. Um, I think for me and probably for everybody who comes to Earth, it's really at the genesis of what our life's journey is all about. Uh, I'm 58 years into it, and you know I've done a lot of different spiritualities and checking on different ways to try to answer that in part. And you know I'm still a work in progress. I, I think we all have our own characteristics. For me, in, and I got into a little astrology somewhere along the line. So I'm a Gemini and. Mercury is in my first house, and not surprisingly, I've dedicated at least my professional career and a lot of what I now try to do in terms of giving back to communications. Done it. I, I edit videos and create websites, and I've been in public relations. So, at least that part of me fits. Uh, but I think that's a you know, there's a lot of different depths to that question. True, that is so true. I'll try to explore some of those areas, the other components. But my official question to you is intuition. What is intuition, Craig? 
Well, again, I think that's something that that for me personally, and given the time period that I've been around, and then us as a culture or us as a world, as we could become, you know, the, the age of Aquarius and higher vibrations, and all the other things I've learned about, it's something that we intuitively, so to speak, have. Mm, yeah. uh, but that for some reason, given where we were, and it wasn't it wasn't always this this way. And look back, the ancient Egyptians were much more intuitive than we are. Mm. We sort of went through a dark ages of sorts, and I think it's really the ability to to feel and to know based on senses beyond the, the the five that we know of it's it's a really a knowing and it's a no it's an instinctual knowing and they'll say a gut feeling but mm-hmm. it's really essentially being able to tap into the the universe and the language of of the universe and and sort of sometimes the only way to get to our intuition is to be able to shut down the other the, the five main senses how do we distinguish how do we know in a way, I mean, we're using the intellectual mind to know something here, but how do we know the difference between that voice of the thoughts coming from intuition and thoughts coming from the uh, rational mind? Well, I think with some of the practices and, and why I'm, I'm excited to be around at this point as we've sort of have a melding, at least in, in a lot of circles, including yours, of a, of a mixture of a Western and an Eastern philosophy. And I, and I think they're both important, right? The critical yeah. mind is important. You try to yeah. put together a bench or you're working in a county or something. You need to have your critical mind. But I think what the Eastern philosophies have opened up to us, certainly since the you know 60s probably, you know, are things like yoga and then more specifically meditation. Yeah. I mean, meditation allows you to, you know, once or twice a day, hopefully, get into a state where you've shut down the critical mind. And, mm-hmm. and it actually helps both, right? It helps you because one of the ways that shuts you down both intuitively and your five senses is if you're under stress. In our culture, the official narrative loves to keep us in stress. So right. if you can take that time, 20 minutes, half an hour, whatever it is, so mm-hmm. that you quiet your mind, not only will you open up your own intuition, but you'll help yourself be more balanced so that you can listen like a symphony to those five. It's really six senses, really, when you count your intuitive knowing along with the other five senses. Yeah. And meditation, would you say meditation is the number one practice to developing intuition or listening to our intuition? Yeah, I would say it's the number one practice for anything. And I'm, I'm fairly wow. late to it. I mean, I was in the, the more formal Christian religions. And, I, and there, there yeah. were, you know, they, they didn't call it meditation. But if you look at some of the great saints throughout the world, they had a very contemplative life. They didn't necessarily call it meditation, but that's what it was. Yeah. But, but if you were sort of a you know, church-going Christian, you, there wasn't a lot of emphasis. Yeah, you, went, you had your time in prayer. Uh, so it really wasn't until I, I started exploring other spiritualities where I discovered meditation. And, and it was really, I mean, I have a, you know, like most Americans, I have a type A mind and it goes chatter nonstop. And so then it was, it, it, w- it really was almost like learning how to walk. I mean, I, I had a, I found a, a little uh, app on my iPhone so I can set, I literally remember setting it for five minutes and I was like, oh my God, is this over yet? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right. But I, I think it's it's the goat. It is the number one <laughs> practice that will not only change your spirituality and your intuition, but, you know, I have a energy healer. I work with a doctor of sorts and, you know, I have extremely low blood pressure and, you know, it, it has amazing effects on your body too, on health overall. Do you see meditation somehow being similar to prayer? Uh, you know, it's funny. I, I wish I'd looked this up. Cause so Edgar Casey, who who I studied as at his university, he was the great uh, tr- person who who, tra- who uh, channeled a lot of things back in the early last century. Yeah. Um, and, and I can't remember. So so meditation, I think, is when you're receiving God's word of the universe, and then and then prayer is when you're actually asking. So that's mm-hmm. the, that was his distinction, and I like that. I think that's what it is. So one's more receptive, and the other's more. You know, I need. You know, please God help. You know, help my mother or whatever it is. 
Yeah. One's more, one's a petition, one's a, one's a, just, just being opened. Another question I have for you, the warm-up questions, is 2020 has been um, a different uh, time. Yeah. For you, what insights have you gained and how did you change? Well, I, I think I had to learn to be, uh, because I'm in, a, you know, I'm in, I'm in, you know, near Washington, D.C., and I, I got, I'm fairly independent, and I found it funny because I did a past life regression. My first one I ever did, it turned out I was one of uh, Robin Hood's merry men. So oh. I, I, I'm kind of a warrior type, and I, and I, you know, I was, and I have never really mm -hmm. liked being told what to do. And then, so to be told that I couldn't go anywhere, I could, I had to cancel five trips, including one to the UK. And yeah. so I, I really had to almost, you know, take that mantra of let go and let God, because yeah. there was a lot of things that I was angry about. I, I didn't like the fear mongering that was going on. Yeah. Um, I personally was never afraid of it. I still not. Um, okay. I feel like if you have a strong spirituality, mm. you know, you know that this is a time frame. you're here for a while and then you're going on. And if it's my time, it's my time. I'm not, I'm not going to change my you know, I'm not going to put on six masks and, and, and put my, <laughs> put my bed under bed. But so I, so I, for me personally, I had to learn to sort of accept that this is, this is w the way it is and that there are people that are concerned about this. Uh, I'm fortunately in Northern Virginia where it wasn't too bad, um, in terms of there were restrictions there still are, but I have family up in the Northeast in New England and it's, 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 and a, and a friend of mine in the UK and it, in the UK, they still can't go to anything other than a restaurant. I mean, a, a grocery store or a, pharmacy all the all the restaurants are closed everything's closed so I, I do feel lucky as a way also I I've tried to answer your question I've tried as much as I can to live a, a normal life and the church that I go to it's a spiritualist church has actually opened up pretty quickly they opened up in July and and that's been a godsend because I've actually been able to commune and and, and have fellowship with with like-minded people and I don't know if I it would have been a lot harder if I didn't have that yeah, I love your wisdom on not fearing, uh, kind of knowing the difference, yeah, not being pulled into that fear-based yeah, reality. How do you define spirituality? And is spirituality different from religion? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, somebody, I think I saw a survey. So everybody's the most... The highest percentage by far of people uh, who describe their religion or whatever on Facebook is uh, spiritual, but not religious. I'm yeah. sure you've heard that yeah. term. Yeah. Yes. Um, I came at, so I grew up in, in, in a, a mixed family and that I, my father was raised Catholic, mother was raised Protestant. It was both parents had fairly negative experiences with their own religion. So I didn't have a lot growing up. And then I became, when I started my spiritual journey in 2000, I actually joined the Catholic church. And as a friend of mine put it, uh, she said, you, you came in when most people were leaving, uh, <laughs> right. which is again, kind of my way of doing things. But, um, I, I think to answer your question, I, I, I think religion, at least the way it, I mean, and a professor that I recently had at Edgar Casey's school had a whole Latin word for the word religion, which is, you know, it's not really generally what it used to be, but used to mean, but I can't remember what it is offhand, but I think when we're talking about religion, we're talking about formal religion. We're talking about dogmas. We're talking about yeah. You know, we're talking about Christianity, Islam, we're talking about Judaism, we're talking about Hinduism even. What, what I've tried to do, you know, 15 years in the Catholic Church, I, I used to read the Bible fairly regularly. I love Jesus. I still do. I, I love the stories of the Bible. Yeah. I love the saints, um, you know, and, but at the same time, I've really sort of embraced this new Eastern philosophy as well. So for me, I've been able to, and I don't want to say I'm like cafeteria and I say, but I've been able to pick and choose from 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 all the faiths because when when you right. take away a lot of the trappings and a lot of the dogma, what you actually find is the same stuff. True. I mean, it's it's just written from different languages and different perspectives. Yeah, and speaking of finding the same things, uh, what have you found in common? 
Well, I, you know, I think what what when I really when I first started, you know, looking outside of the Catholic Church in 2015, I read the Bhagavad Gita, yeah. Uh, yeah. and I took a lot of copious notes, and I, and I partly because I was still sort of, and I had gotten the masters in Catholic theology, and so I was still fairly steeped in the traditions of the church, and of course, if you know anybody that yeah. knows who's Catholic, it's like you know, it's sort of their way or the highway. <laughs> True. <laughs> and what what so I kind of went in with a little bit of a critical mind, like, oh, okay, well, what is this all about? I'm sure there's not. You know, I'm sure this is going to be so much different than what I learned. And what I found in particular was a lot of what they talked about was what Christ, what Jesus talked about mm-hmm. on the Sermon on the Mount and loving your brother and laying down your life for another. Yeah. I mean, it was those kinds of themes. And I said, you know, this is this is I mean, in the end, it really comes down to unconditional love. And whether you're Buddha or you're Christ, you, you know, Jesus literally gave him his self up for for us. That's that's the belief, you know, on, on Good Friday. And people do the same thing. You know, mothers do it every day for their children. They may not be physically giving up their life, but they're literally, you know, giving up, they give of themselves for nine months and then for the rest of their lives. So that's a central tenant, I think, that, that runs across a lot. When you strip away a lot of the organizational structures and all of the the powers that that have been used for those formal religions and actually can look at some of the saints or look at some of the people who live normal lives within steeped in those traditions you're actually finding people that are living a lot like we're trying to live today and a quick question about Jesus and that I often ask religious people when I interview them is was Jesus God you know, I, that's sort of a, a, a tough one, and I, you know, it's really held up. There's even between the East, the the Roman Catholic Church and the, and the Russian Orthodox churches, there's literally a, a fight over a clause defining the Holy <laughs> Spirit. So this is these yeah. kinds of things, and 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 it sure. did. I mean, what I like about the early church before it became formalized was they had a very robust robust discussion about what all these things mean. Yeah. I, I don't know. I've I've heard a lot of different definitions. He's ascended master. He clearly. He clearly, I think, came here with a life purpose. I think what he accomplished in terms of his teachings was not something. So I think from that perspective, he wasn't a normal human. He came here with a specific. And, and then you also have to delineate between Jesus, the person, and then the Christ mm. consciousness, right? Christ consciousness is a whole other realm. Yeah. And I think when you try to look at him from that perspective, what he what he was laying down there in 2,000 plus years ago was was really 5D. I mean, when you read the Sermon on the Mount and blessed are the meek and blessed they shall inherit the, he was laying down hmm. a way for us to achieve what we're trying to achieve. I mean, we have a long way to go, but he was, so whether or not where that came from, I mean, ultimately I think he's, you know, he, he did, there's some, we all have a divine spark in us, right? And and I think he he came with a specific purpose. I also did some research. He was one of the Essenes, uh, you know, the, the community. Uh, that's where a lot of his mystery teachings came from. That's where the Dead Sea Scrolls came from. There could have been some Gnosticism in there too. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think we're getting, I think there's a lot more to him and his movement and everything else than, than sort of now been filtered down through the, since 313 AD when it became the official religion of Rome. So I wish it had kind of stayed the grassroots because I think we would have had a far different picture of Jesus and the, and the faith. Yeah, I agree. The simplicity, yeah, that message was very um, clear. Love, to me, that's what comes across when I think about Jesus. I think about love or Christ consciousness, too. It's all about love. And speaking of that, um, what are some of the ways we can manifest that kind of love in this reality, Craig? Well, you know, I think so much of it starts with trying to figure out what you know, either triggers us or what keeps us, you know, to use these newer terms in 3D. I mean, what is it? I mean, whether you're driving in a car and somebody cuts you off and, you know, I'm a Boston guy. So, you know, this, you know, you, you, you try to race up with them and then, you know, try right. to flip them off or, yeah. or, or are you able to, 
Are you able to, you know, as Jesus would say, turn the other cheek? Are you able to say, you know, I'm just, I, it's, this isn't worth it. It's not worth it, you know? Right. And, and and if you're in a professional world and, and a coworker, oh, can you believe that, you know, they sent me this email and then you go after them. I mean, there's just a lot of that still around. Yeah. So if you can somehow try to rise above that, I think that's a long way in, in just, just day-to-day showing, showing a, a compassion and a love for other people. And the other thing that I advise everybody, which I've done too, particularly after this last year is I turned off the, what, what goes, what, what's called news and media today. I've turned it off. I, there's, I don't know if you know a guy named David Ikes. He's a, he's a British guy. You know, he says essentially this news media system is, is, is trying to keep us on Mm -hmm. the side of the land, the size of a postage stamp Mm -hmm. and you can't expand and it's, and it's all fear-based. So you can't discover and, and live in love unless you turn that messaging off. Wow, so true. Yeah, that's something that I have done myself, yes, yeah, for years now. That really resonates true to me. That comes across every time. I'm Social media, TV, mainstream, it's just fear. I see fear everywhere. That's the message, really. And we didn't have social media growing up. I mean, that to me, that's even more, because it's, it's much more of a mind game now. I mean, when we were kids... Mm. Yeah. We didn't have the internet at all. And I, you know, I, I played hockey and football and, you know, I was a guy's guy. And, you know, when you had a disagreement, with, particularly with another male, you ended up getting a fight and then you got, you know, then you wrestled around for a while and then you kind of <laughs> hugged and made up. That was the way it was. But now, you know, the stuff that can be so mean on, you know, posting stuff or, or sending unflattering pictures to each other's texts with a, while the person's just sitting there, it just seems so much meaner now than, than just, you know, if you got a scrap with somebody, you, you take, you work it out. It has changed, yeah. And you're saying in the in the more, uh, let's say, not bad. I don't consider anything bad, but an unpleasant way. It's becoming more unpleasant. Yeah, because I think it's more mind games. It's not. I mean, and, and and so for me, when I was growing up, athletics was so important because that's where we got to sort of, that's where you got to get some of your aggression out, and there was teamwork involved with that, and there's some positive. And and I just don't see that as much now because if you can sort of use these channels to, to pick on someone or bully on somebody. It just, it just seems so. It, it, and because if you ever seen somebody who's a, who's a victim of that, particularly when that they're at that sort of difficult transitional age of, of being young teenagers, it's, it's so devastating for them. It's true. That caused a lot of issues, right? Yeah. Yeah. I just, I got, I'm kind of glad I, I, did, I guess I didn't have that growing up. Yeah. So that's a different generation. So what do you think this is leading us to? It's getting worse in a way. You're saying the expressions of the opposite of love, which is fear. So do you think this is trying to uncover some of the unhealed wounds we have so we can heal them? Is that the purpose? Yeah, I think that's part of it. Absolutely. And I think if you want to look at it for from more from a macro perspective, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're leaving the Piscean age, right? And we're entering the Aquarius age, age of Aquarius, you know, or you can say we're moving from 3D to 5D. And we're also, so a lot, what dominated, not shockingly, the, the Piscean age was sort of a masculine male oriented dominated top down yeah. hierarchy, right? Sure. That you see that in all the structures, all the, yeah. and Aquarian age or the the 5D age is much more, you know, sort of f- divine feminine, even if you're male, it's much more, right. you're much more balanced. Right. Um, and it's a horizontal construction, you know, structure is collaboration and it's working together. We're not, <laughs> so where we are right now, and I, I joke with friends, I say, so we pick this time to come in. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we, we have the, we have the great pleasure of being in the transition. So we are, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you can, I don't care which institution you can turn it on right now and they are corrupt to its core. We all know that we see it, but they're still in control. So I, I think we won't feel this sort of horizontal communal type of 5D stuff until these institutions have collapsed basically and however they're going to do it. 
And from the ashes, you know, we're going to emerge as, as, as individuals. And Carl Jung talked mm. about that, you know, as well. He, he had this term individuation right. where we spend half of our life sort of living in the conformity of society. And it's not until we go through a midlife transition or like a caterpillar to a butterfly in a molting stage, not until we go through that and we become individuals who God intended us to be, can, can we then be in a position where we can come together as a community which is a very fascinating – and contrary to what the culture will tell you because the culture is trying to do groupthink. It's like everybody yeah. has to think the same way. Right. And that's another struggle we're having. So I, I believe firmly in Carl Jung's view is that the beauty of coming together – and you can see this with maybe people that have a second marriage or whatever – is when you become your own individual is when you're best able to come together in love with somebody else mm. because yeah. you don't have to play the games. You don't have to worry about the fear. Do they love me? Do they not love me? How, am, I, am I putting on the right clothes? Am I, am I saying the right thing? I mean, there's all that fear-based stuff early on in our life. Uh, so I, I think I, to answer your question, you know, sum it up, I think we're in transition. We're, we, we're, we're in a transition period. We may not get there in my lifetime. Uh, I think we are moving that way. I think there's a lot of people who, you know, you mentioned that the, the virus last year, I think there's a fairly healthy percentage of people that didn't buy it. And, yeah, right. and I think that's growing. So, so let's talk about your work and the podcast that you host. That's part of my first question. What was the inspiration and intention of creating your podcast title? Hopefully I have it right. Mind yes. to Heart. Well, I, you know, I finished this trans, uh, major, um, uh, master's in transpersonal psychology from Edgar Casey's Atlantic University, all about consciousness and a lot of the things you and I have been talking about. And part of what I wanted to do then as a second career, in addition to being a communications guy, which I am, is to get more, to sort of give of myself. I did a life purpose class as part of my master's, and it turned out that what came to me was to be a torchbearer of truth and freedom for others. Uh, and again, I think that goes back to being a Gemini. So <laughs> I... Part of this was to launch a podcast on Dr. Pat's uh, network called Transformation Radio. You may have heard it. Uh, and it was really working with her. I had come mm -hmm. up with about 10 different names, and she zeroed in on that right away. Somebody had told me early on in my in the last five years in my, my intense spiritual journey that our evolution in life is, you know, and our spiritual journey can be defined as, as a path from our critical, logical mind to our heart-centered transformational heart. And that's where that name came from. So, and, you know, again, we where we are on that scale really depends on what triggers us. But ultimately, I think everybody's goal is to get to heart-centered thinking, heart-centered love. Um, and that's the, the genesis. And I have people on there who have been on journeys. I had a woman on there. I was filling in for Dr. Pat today. She's a three-time cancer melanoma survivor. So I have people on there who've been, you know, who, who've had amazing lives and and in and, and, and hearing their journeys, they help us transform. And speaking of journeys, talk to me for a moment about your own journey. I know you have been on a 20-year journey. Sometimes it takes that long. In my case, it was, I guess, yeah, almost 30 years. Yeah, I'm not sure it really ever ends, does it? I mean, even yeah. death, you, death experience itself is, I mean, if you handle it right, it can actually be a very beautiful part of that. I mean, so True. I think... I do think it's a lifelong thing. Um, yeah. My mother used to say uh, in her 80s, she, she passed away at 92, but uh, she used to say, if you stop learning, you stop living. So yeah. I think, you know, I would say if you stop sort of investigating your own spirituality, then, you you know, you pretty much, you know, that's sort of the end of the road. So, True. but I think it, I, I'm very comfortable where I went. I sort of picked up from, from my left, you know, the church formally in 2015. I tried a whole bunch of things. I, I, I dabbled in, in alchemy and 
and Rosicrucianism and actually got a math, uh, got a certification in hypnotherapy. And, and then I discovered mediumship and spiritual development at a local church, a spiritualist church, which I've now joined. Uh, I went to Edgar Casey's uh, ARE, which is a center in Virginia Beach that he founded. I've been to the UK uh, to Arthur Finley College, which is a mediumship development school, kind of the Harvard of this of this field. And uh, you know, so for me, so much of the journey has been finding finding your tribe. And I think that's one of the most important things that people can do today is is limit the people in your life that are limiting you and find your tribe. And and the beauty of of I think one of the silver linings of 2020 is that we have internet, like you and I are having this conversation. And you know, there's so many people that are having these different awakenings all around the world. And with the internet, we can connect with these people. And you know, I go to my church groups. We have a Thursday night circle where we learn how to, you know, tap into mediumship and development. But for me, for all of this, has just been the fellowship of these people. I mean, we have phenomenal conversations. I mean, nobody's nobody's <laughs> listening to the news, so we just talk about stuff like you and I just talked about. Another question I have for you is about, yeah, hypnotherapy. I do interview a lot of people in that, and I became curious about even trying that myself. But I wonder, what's the connection, really? What are we looking for? when going to hypnotherapy? Well, surely in a, in a nutshell, it's to, it's to circumvent your critical mind and get into your subconscious because you right. can't make, so 80% of your, or 88%, I think is a statistic, 88% of your mind is your subconscious mind. Uh, but you're not going to make any changes until you get there. It's like smoking, okay? So you're, you know from a logical point of view that, you know, it causes lung cancer and you're going to die. But your subconscious mind says, you know, I really like this. I like yeah. the fact that it, it soothes me. It's a habit. I enjoy the you know, smoking with my buddies. So it's not until you can get past, you know, you, statistics aren't going to change your mind, right? It, it's until, unless you have a health scare, but yeah, it's right. only until you get into that subconscious mind and start, what are the beliefs? I mean, what, what's, what's centering around? Why are you doing this habit? Whether it's, you know, trying to mm -hmm. lose weight or, or smoking. And, and, and I also think it, it, it's, it's really ultimately a, a form of meditation, isn't it? It takes you into a, into a state, a very receptive state, but it allows you to not only open up your subconscious mind, but then you can start getting into the divine mind as well. And and I, I do think, like I said, that as much up front, as much as we can try to somehow either work in tangent or work around our critical minds, that the more authentic we're going to be. There's somehow these conversations here. It has become a form of meditation for me in a way or tapping into that divine energy. Yeah, I usually do guided meditations, um, you know, so, and that really helps. I mean, sometimes mm -hmm. it's try to find your higher self. But, you know, again, I think because I have such an active mind and most people do, oh, it's yeah. <laughs> just having sort of a quote because they'll usually have like, you know, ocean sounds behind it or they'll have very sort of Eastern sounding stuff. But yeah. and they have very they have, you know, very soft voices. So I, I typically have a guided meditation just because it does maybe a little bit what you've experienced here. You kind of you can kind of just put your mind in neutral, as my mom used to say, and and just kind of just take it all in. Yeah, I love the way you quote her. <laughs> that's yeah. the second time. Uh, that's yeah, she, wonderful. She's a wonderful influence on me. Talk to me about the services that you offer as an intuitive life coach. Yeah, so that's the umbrella. I'm a life coach. I, I focus. I do do some hypnotherapy work and some of the things I described. Uh, I'm also help I, uh, something in an area called relationship strategies. It's not. I'm not necessarily a couples counselor, but I find I generally work with people one on one, and you try to work through because you know both male and female. It's funny how we sort of make these same mistakes mm -hmm. over and over again, and so 
you know, that's, I try to get to what, what's the root cause of that? Why, why are they doing that? And then they, you know, come up with some strategies to overcome that. Um, and then, uh, I took a wonderful course, which I've now incorporated into my services in dream work and analysis. I mean, again, our subconscious is alive and well there. And if we can figure out how to crack the code, it's usually, uh, symbols. It's telling us a lot. If we, it's, it's a wonderful data point, if we can actually, and it comes through daily or nightly. Mm, so I help people figure out, you know, using their dreams as well. So dreams, yeah, that's another component of reality, of different realities, right? That's such an interesting, fascinating topic. Yeah, we really don't know a lot about it. I mean, and, and, and interesting, when you look back again at, at, at the story of uh, the Gospels, and G- I mean, their dreams were fundamentally important in that whole story. I mean, Joseph had a dream, and, mm. you, know, it, you know, he had a dream to move from one place to another, and, you know, the, it, it's amazing. So it's been a part of our, and most, and a lot of cultures put a lot of emphasis on it. And then we have people like Mark Twain and Winston Churchill and Joan of Arc and all these people who relied heavily, uh, heavily on dreams. And that's another topic we don't talk about often. And that's interesting. I might be exploring that more. Yeah, I, I, I think, I think I, again, I think we don't talk about it because it's not the official narrative, right? Anything, mm, that, right. anything that challenges the official narrative, they don't want you to go in there. So, so true, Craig. So I have these final questions for you, but before I ask them, would you like to add anything? No, I mean, I really appreciate, Larry, the opportunity to be here. Um, you know, it's been great. I, like I said a little, a little while ago, it's just fun having these conversations. I feel like I could go, kind of go on all day just, you know, just talking with like-minded people. It's a lot of, that's, that to me is the greatest joy of living today. <laughs> yeah, that's my fun too, for sure. What was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself in life as of today? Uh, I, I think, it all, and you, you talked about it up front too, I think it comes down to, to honestly looking, and I'm not 100% there either, what, what's, what are your fears? What, what, what's keeping you blocked? You know, what's keeping you in a bad relationship? What's keeping you to make that same mistake over and over again? What keeps you being work, you know, working, you know, being that martyr at work? I mean, what are those things? Because when you strip away blaming you know, your parents or blaming your brother or your sister or your spouse, you know, in the end, it's all you and, and you're the only ones left. And, and it's making those hard, hard looks. And then Jung, Carl Jung talks about and don't abandon those. I mean, he kept he calls those um, your shadow sides yeah. and, and in your shadow side is where your creativity comes from. And so we spend so much of our time trying to gloss over that or self-medicate. And Carl Jung said, embrace your shadow side. That's where your creativity comes from. And another question I have for you is um, success. How do you define success these days? What is to be successful to you? Well, I, I think part of what I, you know, part of those, I would say necessarily shadow work, but what I went through in other courses, and, 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 you know, so much of the American culture is about, you know, getting that good job and getting that house in the suburbs and, you know, the 2.5 kids. And yeah. these are scripts that have been sort of handed down to us from our parents and they inherited from their parents. And right. and I, maybe from a male in particular, those are hard to get over. And so success, I've, I'm still working on, on success not being any of those things I just described. I mean, to me, it, it, success is happiness. Are you happy? And, mm, or, yeah. or as Joseph Campbell, who was a great guy who did a lot of study, he was a consultant to George Lucas on the Star Wars film and did a lot of studying on mythology. You know, he, he wrote books and, and his whole mantra was follow your bliss. Yeah, yeah. And that's the success. And he, he lived this, he lived. And you know, I'm sure you run into people like that and you may be one of those. I mean, you just, you look at them and like, they're never, they're never upset. They're always happy and yeah. they, could, they could be as happy with nothing yeah. or, or as happy with a million dollar house. Didn't matter. What is another word for healing? 
Well, you know, the theme of the show has really been love. You know, now there's a lot of different movies. I won't go into them because I love movies, but there's <laughs> a, one in particular I'm thinking about where uh, a, a sergeant had uh, had to go to a parents of a of a daughter who he was in control. It was a, it was in the Iraq War in a in a, in a uh, tank, and the daughter ended up getting killed, and he had to go to the parents. And the father in particular was also military, and the father ultimately said to him, "Look, you know, I I forgive you, but the question is, do you forgive yourself?" And, and, and I think that's, that's the hardest thing we have to do as humans. Why that is, I don't know, but it's, it's to open that crack enough to let love in there and say, you know, I'm lovable. And, and, and that to me, I think is the biggest hurdle that, that we all have to overcome. Two more questions. If you knew you would lose the body soon or leave the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything in a different way? Uh, it's funny because I've just been trying to work on astral projection. So <laughs> that <laughs> I, helps. <laughs> um, you know, it's interesting. I was on a call last night, a, a mediumship call that we do on Wednesday nights via Zoom, and somebody had read a list of things that uh, people, the, the top five things. So a nurse who worked in uh, an award where people were dying, and so she interviewed a bunch of these people before they died, and they said, so, you know, five things percolated to the top if they could. I'd do it all over again. And one, number one was be true to myself. And then another one was, the third one was to have the courage to express my feelings. And, and so I think as we look back, and I look back at my own life, and I was the youngest of three uh, boys, and, you know, there was just a lot of times that I didn't say anything, um, you know, and that I didn't stand up or I didn't stand up for the person in, in the playground that I should have. And I think, you know, again, hindsight's twenty twenty, and we're here to learn. But I think those are those are some two, two pretty powerful things that I'd probably revisit, be, being true to, truer to myself and expressing my feelings. Yeah, that if you could go back. But as of today, would you change anything or do anything differently? Uh, you know, I don't know. I, 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 do, I, I used to play the what-if game a lot. You know, I, I moved yeah. out of New England and I came to, to Washington, D.C. area. And I'm thinking, well, what if I, you know, didn't come here or I went somewhere else? But, you know, I, I think I, what's sort of getting me through that is just seeing a lot of what we just talked about and how exciting this time is. I used to sort of dread this time and I would talk to friends and say, you know, next time, I, you know, when if there's if we're sitting around a table and we'll say, hey, you want to reincarnate? I'll be like, no, I'm done. Thanks. I'm going on some Venus or something. I'm trying. But I, I'm actually starting to embrace this time. And I think a lot of it was 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 shutting off the media. And I was involved in national politics for a while. And it was just so nasty. Yeah. Uh, but I'm now starting to, you know, I, I think partly, too, because I'm actually starting to believe I, I knew I did when I read it. But I'm starting to feel and believe that, you know, we we're an eternal we are an internal soul. Yeah. And and so if we can just look at this as being the life's, you know, life school or the earth school and not not a way to count how many brass rings we have at the end of the day, then then I think it can be wonderful. You know, now is just as, as exciting as any other time to be around. And my last question to you is, what are three things about life you know for sure as of this moment? What would I say? Life, death and taxes or uh, <laughs> you can yeah. count on? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think, I think, and I watched a show on Gaia last night just talking about the cycle of life. You know, we know it, we know it has a beginning. We know it has a birth, uh, at least the physical body we're talking about. So we know, we know it has a birth. We know that the physical body has a death. And I think the other, the, the third thing that I'm, I'm, you know, is that, more confident now than I've ever been is that we have an eternal soul that lives on forever and that, mm. you know, we have, we, we will be here into eternity and it's all about learning and love. And, and, mm. and the more that we can do that, uh, here, if we don't do it here, then we're coming back. So if you, if you don't want to come back, you know, those are, that's the lesson you gotta, you gotta, you gotta focus on. 
I love that. Yeah, the third component, yeah, the soul's journey and the soul never ending, right? Thank you so much, Craig, for sharing your wisdom, your fun presence and everything else in between, your work. Thank you. Larry, I really appreciate the opportunity. It's been great spending time with you today. Where can we find more information about you, your work, products, services, and future projects? It's my website, which is my name with a middle initial. So Craig E. Richardson. Dot com, and that's as it sounds. Wonderful. I'll have that link too on your podcast profile. Thank you so much again, and we'll talk soon. Great. Thanks, Valeria. Bye for now, Craig. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Craig Richardson and his work, please visit craigrichardson.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now. <laughs>